Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca/podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. There is a good deal of symphonic overlay in our lessons for this Sunday, and this is due to the use and reuse, the recycling, the cross-referencing of texts across our readings as the Bible, so to say, speaks from depth to depth, as it so often does, and that is its genius book on this score, unlike other books. Jesus cites verses that appear in Genesis 1, God made them male and female, and Genesis 2, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So the Old Testament reading for the day is taken from this same section in Genesis 2. And the psalm chosen for the day is Psalm 8, which is itself a reflection or meditation on these same opening chapters from Genesis. What is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should seek him out, You have made him but little lower than the angels and adorn him with glory and honor. You give him mastery over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. Mastery over the works of your hands, from Psalm 8, corresponds to Genesis 1 and 2, both. Humankind is to have charge of the earth, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, birds, and every living thing. So Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the naming of the animals, which is also related in our Old Testament reading for this Sunday. In the language of Psalm 8, all sheep and oxen, even the wild beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever walks in the paths of the sea. We are leaving our letter of James, our epistle reading, therefore, for the next seven Sundays, that is, right up to Christ the King Sunday, the final Sunday of the lectionary year, are all selections drawn from the letter to the Hebrews. And the portion for today from the first chapter of Hebrews quotes this same Psalm 8. But you will note that it makes some important alterations. The spatial qualifier, a little, in Greek has become open to a temporal reading instead of spatial, a little lower than the angels or sons of God in the Hebrew. We have for a little while lower. One small note, the effort to render Adam from Hebrew, man or mankind, 
in Psalm 8 into inclusive language, human beings, plural, has the consequence of setting up now a clear, even sharp contrast, which is left more open for Hebrews' use of the actual Psalm 8 itself. That is, on this inclusive language-generated version, the psalm promised that human beings would have dominion, but this did not transpire. We do not see everything in subjection to them. Older translations, man, son of man, left more space open for interpretation. The little while of the son's descent, his lowering, could then refer to Jesus and the incarnation and the subjugation to come, a matter of providential inauguration by Christ in his descent, now crowned with glory and honor. Jesus, the descended one, having tasted death for all mankind, in this he is our mankind's, Adam's, pioneer and perfecter, therefore. And this, in a marvelous turn, based upon Hebrews' final verse use of Psalm 22, allows special notes to sound forth. Jesus, the sufferer of Psalm 22's, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? has walked a path that ends in his proclamation of God's name in the congregation of those now his brothers and sisters. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. So the mankind given mastery because of his suffering and victory O Lord, our governor, how great is your name in all the earth. The final line of Psalm 8 is true after all. True because of the little wild descent the Son of Man underwent. For those of us lower than the angels promised mastery and given it by God in his Son, Jesus Christ. The Gospel reading from Mark 10 picks up on different verses from the Genesis reading, those involving God's forming of woman to be a fit partner for Adam, having paraded the formed from the dust animals before him so that he might name them. And naming, of course, is not true relational conversation, which we learn the man desires. And for that, there needs to be a species like unto himself and indeed derived from him. There is Ish and Isha, man and woman, woman a fit partner for him as he is for her. It is to this text that Jesus turns because in the garden the ideal and the original intention have been set forth. Later commandments arise to deal with divorce, 
but they are the consequence of human hardness of heart, and so signs more of that than of God's proper designing. Jesus therefore cites the relevant verses from Genesis, for at the beginning it was not so. The Pharisees are trying to test Jesus, Mark says, with this question about divorce, whether it's permissible or not. And he gives his response from the same law to which they appeal. And he indicates the proper priority in the law for interpretation. This is not the first time we've seen this. We hear no more from the Pharisees as Jesus again takes his own disciples aside for instruction. We then have a brief snippet in which the theme, a theme we've been following, of little children reemerges. You'll recall that just previously Jesus had placed a little child in their midst to counter the disciples with their concerns for rank, as well as his reference last Sunday to little ones at the end of chapter 9, likely referring the little ones to those who are his true followers. And here this morning we see yet another episode where the disciples are caught rebuking an action that Jesus himself has encouraged and that he welcomes and even here blesses. The embrace of children is consistent with the force of Genesis 2. They shall become one flesh. Jesus embraces and places his blessing, much like Genesis 1, and lays his hands on the designs of God, the designs of God at creation, rejuvenated here by the Son of God over against the hardness of heart in Moses' generation or here before his own eyes in the actions of refractory disciples. These are not salutary days for the misguided and in need of instruction disciples, and Jesus is ready to provide that. Track one in our lectionary leaves the single reading that we had from Esther and moves this morning to Job, the 42-chapter book is given four episodes to speak up in this, the logic of track one's selection from Old Testament books. And we will follow these four readings during the Sundays of October. Our selection for this morning is taken from chapter two, and it is the second of two rounds in which Satan is given permission to test and indeed assault Job. The first verse is provided from chapter 1, and Job is introduced as the paradigm of righteousness. 
The prophet Ezekiel refers to him in the same way, and together with him, the better known Noah. The author of the book, therefore, locates its hero in primordial times, righteous like unto Noah. He is further renowned, we are told, for his life and manner of prayer and daily offering on behalf of his family, his children, and steadfastness, hupomone in Greek, to stand strong under, is the character trait remembered in the fifth chapter of the Epistle of James. In what does the testing of Job consist? The answer is given in chapter 1, in the first test. And the entire drama to unfold turns on it. Though Job will never know, even as we are given the answer. Satan holds that no one will serve God Hinam for naught, for nothing but God's own sake. God believes Job is just such a man. But for Job to prove so, he must demonstrate his steadfast commitment to God through an ordeal in which he loses everything that might be said to cause his steadfastness and so be left alone with God. He does not curse God to his face, as Satan has promised, but he does begin a journey into hell on earth all the same, whose verdict we will not discover until he demonstrates his perseverance through it all. It will take three rounds with so-called friends, the heart of the book. But in the end, he stands firm. And he demonstrates the wisdom our psalm depicts for this day. Give judgment for me, O Lord, for I have lived with integrity. I have maintained my integrity. And I will not forfeit it through an ordeal like no other. As for me, I will live with integrity. Redeem me, O Lord, and have pity on me. My foot stands on level ground. In the full assembly, I will bless the Lord. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of Scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.